young folks, I'm sure, are very tired, and I, they've had wonderful preaching and worship and singing and rejoicing and energy and uh, noise and loud and all of the above the last several days. And we, uh, I know, uh, excited about them coming back, and uh, I believe they've heard some great words. In fact, one of the themes I felt like was a theme uh, was, of course, the name of it was Thy Kingdom Come, the Kingdom Come, and there was a strong push for <laughs> from the leadership for uh, these young folks to be involved in uh, ministry. That word was used. Brother Bernard uh, even spoke, uh, I believe it was on um, Friday about some of that or Thursday. Uh, and so um, there was uh, a lot said. And not only, uh, I know uh, there was talk about pulpit ministry and speaking, and I appreciate we have uh, several that have been involved in teaching and and uh, have been involved in ministry and from the standpoint of speaking or teaching, teaching a Bible study. And I'm excited about uh, the Lord putting a burden on their hearts and, and wanting them to be, and them wanting to be used of God. So... I was thinking about all of that, and of course, our our uh, tag is growing apostolic legacy, and means that we're growing, and we are apostolic, and in doctrine, and in fellowship, and all the above, and we also have a great legacy, and we have, as you hear me say, a lot of uh, a great history of individuals and in leadership and in uh, uh, that were involved in uh, this church. In fact, uh, the man that spoke uh, Thursday night, Brother Jack Cunningham, uh, some of his family started in the church here in Newark. And uh, not him personally, but uh, his uh, uncle, Brother Billy Cole, was out of this church. And of course, they were, uh, Jack Cunningham was out of his grandfather's church in uh, Parkersburg. And so, uh, history tracing back to uh, some of the folks that were here and involved in this, this church. So, we, we are thankful for the great history and also knowing that God has got his hand on so many of these young folks going forward. I'm excited. And yet, uh, with that thought in mind, I know I spoke last Sunday about being a stranger and a sojourner. And I added uh, a little byline to that first slide because I want to uh, I, I want to really nail down to these young folks that this moment isn't all there is to living and uh, I saw it I just saw that it corrected that wouldn't be a capital A it would be a small A for those of you who are English and uh, grammatically correct uh, this moment isn't all there is to living. It, it's not all there is to living. And I, I, I realized that I was like you, uh, shocked uh, probably to hear uh, of all the shootings and uh, that have gone on in Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, and other places. And then uh, I, I, I was, I, I felt saddened that one of the the grandchildren or nieces or whatever the connection was to the Kennedy, a 22-year-old young lady who uh, 
Uh, just saw a picture of her on Apple News as I was, uh, you know, uh, scanning through the news and, and it said she was alone in the Kennedy compound and she's been fighting depression and she took her own life, 22 years of age, this, this past week. And I, I thought how horrible it is when you would think, I, I've never been to the Kennedy compound. I don't know what the Kennedy compound uh, all has and how many have houses and what it is, it may be four little pup tents out somewhere on the side of the, in, uh, uh, there in um, um, uh, Kenny, not Kenny Buckport, in, uh, in Massachusetts, uh, Hyannisport, that may be all it is, is four little pup tents and a little uh, 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 whatever. But I, I, I've never been there, so I don't know. But imagine in a place of this is a vacation, it's a, it's a place of retreat, it's supposed to be a place of refreshing, it's a place where the sea is, you know, you can hear the ocean and you are able to go there and imagine you're sent there and your family knows you're, you're depressed and you're trying to find you a place, a facility to get into that you agree and, I, and imagine feeling so despondent that at that place ending your life. It tells you the spirits that are out there and that are prevalent to attack the mind and heart of young folks, of all of us, we're not all, any of us exempt, where it feels like this moment is all there is to living. And it's, and it's a sad moment and I don't like where I'm my life right now and I don't like what I'm having to do right now and I don't like the train and I don't like what I'm going through right now and it's not careful and well the, whatever whether it's the pain whether it's the sickness whether it's the problems whether it's the finance whatever it is I will focus, focus my just turn my mind right down to where it's just here and I will forget that I am not really just here. I'm a stranger and a sojourner. I'm looking for a city whose foundation and builder and maker is God. But if not, I'm not careful. The, the pressure of life and the stress of what's going on will bring my focus right to my own toes. You know, it's imagine if you were going out and you were going to, you know, Go look at the scenery, and all you could do was this, you know? And they go, look, the beautiful mountains. Yeah, I can't see them. I can't see the mountains because, huh? And if you're not careful, and that's why I preached on strangers and sojourners. I, I, a verse that I didn't bring up last week that I, I really, really wanted to, uh, I, I found this week and I thought, I wish I'd have brought it up. So guess what? I got the privilege of saying, all right, rewind, add this verse to it. It's in Titus, the second chapter, the 11th through the 14th verses. Paul told Titus, he said, for the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Doing what? Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. What are you saying? I've got to look somewhere else. I've got to look for that blessed hope and the glory. What are you saying? That one of these days, the Lord's coming back. I'm a stranger and a sojourner. I cannot allow myself to get caught up just in this moment. As a matter of fact, he said, not only do you have to look forward, but you got to turn around and look in the past, not your past, not all the problems that you've had, but he said, looking for 
that I remember looking for that blessed hope, glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ, semicolon, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. From all iniquity, what are you saying? That whenever I I get my eyes off of just where I am, I start thinking one of these days I'm leaving here and I start remembering one of the, oh, I remember the night the Lord filled me with his spirit. I remember when I was buried in his name. I remember that he went to Calvary. Oh, how privileged I am that he washed my sins away. There is no way to live soberly, righteously, godly, denying ungodly and worldly lust if you only focus on the here and now. Amen. There's no way to do it. If all your focus is is right here, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find yourself being an easy prey to temptation, an easy prey to all kinds of things. Because I've got to keep remembering, you know what? This world's not my home. I'm a stranger. I'm a sojourner. You know, I remember what the Lord did for me. Because of what he did for me, how could I not? You know? And I... I, I understand. I, I understand when you stop and think, and, and we, you know, we've had stories and they've made movies of whether it's Saving Private Ryan or whatever, and, and stories of people that have been heroic and saved someone's life and, and did what they could. And, 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 you know, how do you just walk away from that? How, if someone has, has raced into a, uh, pulled you out of a, a car, a burning building. How do you just go, well, you needed to do that. It's, you know, too bad. I I can forget you. I can act like that your life, you know, that, that sacrifice didn't matter. And yet it's easy for us to forget the sacrifice that Jesus made in order for me to have, you know, the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins. How can you walk away from what God's done for you? You can't. As long as you remember what he did and where you're going. But it's easy though in this hour. I mean, you know, if you if you felt like and, and there's reports of survivor groups and people that will come after you know I remember a plane crash in Little Rock and there were uh, you know they ran off the end of the runway in a storm and, and they had uh, you know fire broke out and they it was several years ago in fact um, it was a plane that was about to land at the time when my uh, folks and my wife were coming in from a trip and I was at the airport and why I remembered it and it, was, it would have been their plane <clears> had <throat> their plane not been grounded because of weather and so here here it is and, and, and however many years later they were still having these meetings where <clears throat> people would go and thank the firemen and thank and yet we can forget to thank the Lord for what he did for us Oh, Lord, help us. we got to remember we're strangers and sojourners. All right. I, I know that was last Sunday, so that has nothing to do with this Sunday. <laughs> but a serving ministry, we heard that talk, a ministry, serving. That's what the word means, ministry. And, and, and I guess the why I felt like that was important and it's an important message and it's an important understanding is because it counteracts the whole notion of this hour where who is really number one? That's the, the, what society puts. You know, look out for this one. Right. I'm number one. Right. And, you know, we have a whole, you know, we call selfies, pictures. I'm going to take a picture. It's all about me. And I saw lots of cameras, you know, uh, go up and uh, in NAYC and a lot of them were, you know, using lights and they were whatever and it was nice and people were taking pictures of others. But then there was also a lot of, you know, I'm here. Hello. Look at me. And people, you know, I get it. 
I'm okay. I, I take selfies, and then <coughs> we were, uh, we were going to take a selfie, and some construction worker saw us and said, "Well, here, I'll take it for you." And so, you know, and yet in this hour, it's that sense of, well, you know. It's all about me. And believe it or not, that's not a new spirit. It's not a new phenomenon. <laughs> it was happening in Jesus' time. Uh, you know, figuring out who, who's number one and that sense of am I willing to serve. And as Brother Nick said, our young folks came back. They, were, they heard that and they were, they were sort of inundated with that message. And I'm excited because uh, when you talk about the word ministry, immediately people think, well, you're going to pastor or you're going to preach or teach. And there's so much to serving the Lord that goes beyond that. And yet, you know, what can I do to help <clears throat> go on a missions trip? And I, I have been... You know, amazed at and young folks, and I'm excited whenever they go, I want to go on a missions trip. And maybe a missionary will say, all right, you come and you be, and you be my babysitter for a week and, or, or a month or two months. And then on Saturdays, you have a vacation Bible school and we'll invite all the kids from around the neighborhood to come. And that's your ministry. And, I, and then it's like, but that's in Guatemala, and that's cool. In Newark, it's not so cool. <laughs> Will you teach Sunday school here? Well, no, that's not really my ministry. I can't really do that here. I can't really help here. Well, but I'll go down, you know, and repair a roof. And I get it. I understand. That feels like it's, you know, it's different. And yet, Jesus had this whole thing. You read the first eight chapters of the book of Mark and Jesus is pounding, if you will, repeatedly about who he is. He is trying to get his disciples to recognize that he is the Christ. He is, he is inundating them with miracles and signs and wonders and opening blinded eyes and feeding the multitudes and he's doing all this, trying for them to realize who he is. And finally, he asks the question, whom do men say that I am? It kind of culminates down in the 8th chapter. And Philip immediately said, well, some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're Elijah and some say you're whatever. And so then he gets, narrows the focus down a little more and you all uh, Bible scholars remember the story. Then Jesus said, well, whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, you know, was very brash and very bold and yet he got it, he understood, and he said, Thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah. And Jesus' response to that was, Yep, that's right, but don't tell anybody. Yeah. Now, whoa! Being the Messiah is a real cool deal. Because in their mind, the Messiah was going to rule and reign. And now Jesus said, Yep, I'm the flesh and blood hadn't revealed it to you, but my father, you got it, but don't tell anybody. Man, how opposed is that to what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, I got it, I'm going to tell everybody. I want to tell everybody. And yet, Jesus sort of flipped it. You read the very next verse, and you know what he began to teach them? He said, now, the Son of Man is going to have to suffer. Whoa, that's not what we had in mind when we heard Son of Man. When we heard what the Bible said in the Old Testament, it was that you were going to rule and reign. And I'll show you the verses in Daniel and all, the, you know, you're going to rule and reign. But now Jesus flips it on its head. And he says, you got it. You know I'm the Christ. Now... I'm going to have to suffer. And he wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to have to suffer a few things, you know, an ingrown toe or whatever, toenail or whatever. I mean, it, he was very specific. He said, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to go to the grave, and then after three days I'm going to rise again. Hallelujah. Wow. He gave them the full explanation. Now, 
immediately when they heard that, we, you all remember what happens. Simon Peter takes Jesus right then whenever he tells him about suffering and starts to rebuke the Lord. Starts to challenge the Lord. No, not so, Lord. You're not going to do that. That's not going to be happening. You're not going to be rejected and suffer and die. Not so. And he began to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus turned around and rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. You don't know who you're talking through. <laughs> Who's, that wasn't that he was possessed, but he said, you don't savor, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. Now that savor, we think of tasting, you know, I savor that flavor, but it's not, you read the word and I put it on the bottom, it's uh, phroneo, which is Greek, which means thinking or thoughts or mind. You don't have the mind of God. Now here they were disciples, they'd been following Jesus, but yet they did not have the mind of God. And it's easy to feel like, oh, I've got, you know, I understand what God's will, I know what God needs for me to do, what God, but yet, if it's minister, it means serve. And that's where Jesus goes on to say, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. We don't like to preach about that. I don't want it to be denied anything. Deny himself, then not only deny yourself, but then take up your cross. Oh, well, I, you know, I don't deny myself too many meals. I get it. I understand. Whatever. But I, hard enough to deny myself, but to take up a cross, to do something that is hard, <laughs> and follow me. For whosoever shall set, will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall what? Save it. Now, you, you keep reading here in Mark, and just, just, just follow right along. And he says, for what shall it profit if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give for in exchange for his soul? So now the emphasis is on suffering. I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to die. And so the Lord has been telling them for eight chapters, I'm, I'm the Messiah. Now he starts telling them, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. Now, you read on the ninth chapter, he does the same thing. He starts telling them, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. And he teaches them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. They shall kill him. And after he's killed, he shall rise on the third day. And they didn't get it. But they were afraid to ask the Lord. And so they start walking toward Jerusalem. Now, here we go. And there's a little bit of argument going on behind the scenes. And, you know, I, I didn't ride in the church van. I don't know. Probably everybody got along with everybody. I, I didn't hear about anything problems. But, you know, can you believe the way she looked? Can you, did you see what she did? I don't, I, I don't appreciate that. Who do they think they are anyway? They acted that so. I, I don't know. You know, you get disciples together, not our kids, but I'm talking about just disciples. You get disciples together and before long there's a little bickering. You know, put them in a kitchen. Before long somebody's, huh, who do you think you are? Not our kitchen. I'm talking about disciples' kitchens. Put them in a family. Huh? Before long, you know. Somebody's got something to say about somebody else. Eh, not us. Disciples, okay? Bible, not us. And they come to Capernaum and Jesus 
finally confronts him, just like a dad. Okay, what's, what are you guys, what's going on? You guys have been fighting all the way from Jerusalem. We've been walking, and I've been hearing snippets of something. What are you guys fighting about? And you know what they said? Read it in the Bible. <laughs> Oh, no, you know, no, no, Lord. We, we love each other. And we, we, we haven't been fighting. We, have, we haven't been snapped, snide and snapping and saying things under our breath. We, we, we're all good. But what they were fighting about was who is the greatest. And so... The Lord, of course, knew what they were fighting about. So you know what he does? He says, well, let me just tell you. <clears throat> if any man desires to be first, the same shall be last and the servant of all. And he takes a child, sets it in the midst of them and says, you know, unless you are able to minister to a child, which of course was not something that they would do, he said, how can you minister to me. And so this discussion goes on and you would think, okay, they've learned their lesson. But unfortunately, in a society that is interested in being who's number one and am I number one? Not us, not our kids, not us disciples. The next chapter, that's in the ninth chapter, the tenth chapter, they are going to Jerusalem and they're back on a road trip. Not our kind of road trip. We had a wonderful road trip. But they're on a road trip and they're walking. And he starts telling them what things are going to happen to him. He is saying, look, we're going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man is going to be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes and they shall condemn him and they shall put him to death and they shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They're going to mock him. They're going to beat him. They're going to scourge him. They're going to spit on him. They're going to kill him and the third day is going to rise again. Now that's pretty graphic detail about what's going to happen to him and that subject is going on and they're talking about all of that and two guys come to him. They miss the point. You would think they would get it. They would say, oh, wow, Lord, you know, we love you. We're... But you know what they say? They say, oh, by the way, Lord, would you do whatever we want you to do? Now, can you imagine asking God just to do whatever we ask? I mean, that's, you know, that's like your child coming to you and saying, Mom, Dad, I just, I'm going to ask you for something, but I just want you to promise me you'll do whatever I ask you to do. How many would say, sure, whatever you say? Where, where's all the hands? Huh? How? You know, well, within reason, huh? How many of you ever had a child that, you know, if I tell you, don't tell anybody, I, whatever I ask, will you do it? That's what they asked Jesus. They said, what would ye that I should, he, they said unto him, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we desire. And so the Lord said, well, what do you want? And then one says, well, let us sit on the right hand and on the left, because it was all about me. It's all about where I'm sitting. It's all about what I'm doing. It's all about where, what I want. And Jesus did not even correct them. He just said, I don't know if you can drink from the cup that you're asking to drink from. I don't know if you can be baptized with the baptism that you're asking to be baptized. I don't know that you're capable. And you know how they responded? Oh, oh we can do it. We can do it. We'll do it, Lord. Whatever, any cup you want to drink from, come on. I'm right here. I'll drink with you. Anything you want to be baptized, I'll be baptized with you. What are you talking about? I'm talking about in a generation that is self-centered. Can I 
and, and it got them in trouble. The rest of the the rest of the disciples heard it. They started getting upset. And he goes on to say, he starts teaching. He said, the Gentiles, you know, he said, called to them and said unto them, he said, um, you that are accounted to rule over, you know they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them. But so shall not be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. It's in other words, servant. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. What are you saying? When you decide, I want to serve the Lord, all of a sudden you have to say, it's not no longer about me. It's, it's I, you know, well, I have the right to be, and you can fill in the blanks there. I have the right to be happy. I have the right to be fulfilled. I have the right to decide what I want to do. I have the right to be, you know, if I don't feel like doing it, I don't do it. If I don't feel like praying, I don't pray. If I don't feel like worshiping, I don't if I don't feel like coming to church, if I don't feel like giving, that's not what it means to be a servant. And these kids, these young folks were challenged. We want you to serve God. What does that mean? It's not about my personality, my desires, my burdens. It's not about how I figure it out. It's not about, well, why, Lord, am I suffering this? Why am I going through that? Why do I have this diagnosis? Why is my family? Why, why? I don't get to ask that as a servant. Huh? Put it in a very small method about, you know, you're serving at a table in, in a restaurant and, you know, you go into a restaurant to eat and have you ever had a servant or a waitress or a waiter say, I don't think you should order that. I mean, looks like you need really just a salad, no dressing. <laughs> huh? How offended I would be that the servant I want the fried fish platter with double shrimp, extra fries, and a baked potato on the side. Don't tell me. Huh? I'm a servant. My job is not to go, have you checked your cholesterol today? Huh? My job is to say, Yes, sir. Here it is. Tea? I wouldn't get tea if I were you. You better stick to water. Huh? You want tea? You want Coke? What? Huh? Yeah. It's not about me. And I, 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 I watched as many of our young folks raise their hand and, and ask, Lord, we want to serve you. We want to be a minister. I don't necessarily mean a pulpit minister, I, but Lord, I want to serve. But am I willing to say, Lord, I will serve you? In fact, Paul wrote it like this, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. You have to say, Lord, your will, not my will be done. I want to do what you want me to do. And it's not just for them. It's for all of us. Because in this hour, you know, you, I, I read you the verse, Daniel. I mean, I told you about this verse earlier. Daniel, the seventh chapter in the 13th and 14th verses, Daniel said, I saw in the night visions and behold, one likened to the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near him, near before him. And there was given unto him dominion and glory and kingdom and all people and all nations and all languages should serve him. And dominion is an everlasting dominion 
dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. And yet this king said, I'm going to a cross. <laughs> what are you saying? I want to serve the Lord. Then I've got to be willing to say, Lord, it's not about me anymore. Take my life. And you say, well, what are you saying that I'm supposed to be called to go to Africa or to go? No, what I'm saying is that every day I want these young folks and I want every one of us as adults, I want us to wake up with this thought in our mind, Lord, what, what do you have for me today? What can I do for you today? Is there somebody I can invite today? Is there somebody I can pray for today? Is there somebody I can encourage today? Is there something that I, why? Because I am a servant. I should wake up every morning, whether I'm going to my job or whatever I'm doing with my ear tuned. Lord, what do you need from me today? Oh, I'm on Facebook. I'm doing something. I, I, want, to, I want to do exactly what you want me to do, Lord. I, it's not my will, but thy will be done. Oh, but I, I, yes, you know, I, I, and I, I, I was telling some of the, the young men that we were men that we were meeting this morning, I said, sure, you know, if as long as I'm pastor, I'll do it. As long as I'm, I'm bishop, as long as as I'm the superintendent, as long as I'm the presbyter, as long as I'm the leader, as long as I'm in charge. If you put me in charge, you give me the badge. If you give me the authority, then I'll serve. No, that can't be my mindset. My mindset has got to be, I'll do, Lord, whatever it is that I can do. I will, if it's sit outside on a prayer booth, if it's do prayer walking, if it's knock a door, I will do whatever I can. Because it's part of the body. Yeah. I'm doing it for the body. I'm doing it for the kingdom. Oh, you know, well, I'll be glad to babysit kids if I can go to Guatemala to do it. Huh? Not my will? Well, until I get to Guatemala, what am I going to do for the kingdom right now? Hallelujah. Sorry, it's just me. Contentment. I'm going to go on. Some mindsets that we're struggling against. Because you see, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. We are living in a society that is all about me and what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And I am so thankful that I see the Holy Ghost moving. And I saw 37,000 plus young folks and people raising their hands saying, Lord, whatever you want from me, I want to do it. And I'm going to tell you, you've got to have that mindset every day. You've got to wake up and say, Lord, what would you have for me to do today? I, where, where, wherever it is, I, I, you know, because if Paul, who wrote more, books in the New Testament in the Bible than anybody. If Paul would have been upset when he got thrown into jail, that's when he wrote most of those letters. He would have never written the letters that he wrote if he would have just sat there and said this isn't fair. I shouldn't have to go through jail. I need to be out starting churches. I need to be witnessing. I need to be preaching the gospel. I'm a missionary. I've been called to be a missionary but what did he do? As long as I'm here, I'm going to write a letter. Well you know what? The only thing that survived not one church that Paul started is still in existence. We don't know of one convert that Paul ever won that is still, their family lineage is still living for God but we know how to live for God and serve God because when he was in jail he said I'll do what I can for you Lord I'll write a book I'll write a letter I'll do it now the next one and I I know contentment in this hour when we don't have enough and where society is, you know, it's all about more and me and mine and getting and, and you know, they took up offerings and I know folks gave and people were sacrificing and our young folks are fixing and, and, and hard, I, I, I don't want you to think I'm saying we haven't done any of this stuff. We are servants. We, we have, you know, this whole thing with getting equipment was somebody, uh, Brother Jason, 
found it, and Brother Heath, and told me, and we said we'll get it to try to help the camp, and we're, we're trying to do what we can to help and to help others, and I, I, I get it, and you all have, you know, put hours and hours in the campground and for raising funds and doing this, and we got Sweet Corn Festival coming up, but, you know, the, the question is, how much is enough? And, you know, the answer is not yet. I don't know. I never have enough, and I get it, and yet the Lord told him in Matthew, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt where thieves break in to steal but lay up treasures in heaven. Why? Because where your treasure is there will your heart be. And then he said he switched the Lord says where your treasure is there shall your heart be. And then he made this statement. It's a very powerful statement but it's one that really we need to pay attention to. I don't know that I've ever ever really noticed this statement. He again says where your treasure is there will your heart be. The light of the body is in the eye. If therefore thine eye be single thy whole body will be full of light but if thy eye be evil the whole body shall be full of darkness and therefore the light that is in thee shall be darkness how great is that darkness and he was talking about this contentment because he then goes right on to say no man can serve two masters you either love one and hate one and he goes on to say you can't serve God and mammon or money take no thought to your life what you eat, what you drink, your body, what you put on, isn't your life more than all of those things? And then he talks about the lilies and he talks about the fowls and he talks about how many of you that can think about it can grow 18 inches taller, you know, think and grow tall. There's no book like that. There's book think and grow rich, but no one think and grow tall. You just can't do it. It's futile. And he said, for, I, for all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of them. But seek ye first, what? The kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought or don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take thought of itself. Sufficient is the day, the evil thereof. What are you saying? There's a level of contentment that I want these young folks to have. No, you, you say, well, shouldn't have a better job, a better degree, make more money, bigger house, bigger car. Oh, you can have all of that. But if you're not careful, if that's all you get your eyes on, your whole body will be filled with darkness. That's what Jesus was saying. Because once you start trying to get your mind on that, it blocks out all the blessings that you have. I've seen it happen. So of you people that, you know, I, 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 you know, well, I, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to, I don't want to go through what I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, huh? I've seen them, you know, Go crazy on vacations. You know, I spent all this money. I worked all these extra hours. I did all this time. We're going to get up. We're going to be at the park at 5 o'clock. We're going to be there when the doors open. We're going to see it all, do it all. Huh? Yes. And the kids are like, I wanted to have fun. Huh? But I, my eyes get full of darkness. That's why he talks about the love of money. Why? Contentment with godliness is great gain. Now, you, what are you saying? I, I, do you mean that I shouldn't save, that I shouldn't work? No, I, I, I get it. You, you got to do all of that. But Paul told Timothy, he said, charge them that are rich in the world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. They that do good and that shall be rich, they may be rich in good works, ready to distribute, ready to give, ready to be a blessing, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may hold on to eternity.
eternal life. What are you saying? Give all your money away. I hope our young folks didn't do that. I hope, you know, you say, well, I emptied my bank account for missions. Well, God bless you. That may not have been the wisest thing. We'll talk about that. I, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying do. But you've got to have an ability to say and a mindset that this is not my God. I am not going to serve whether it's my degree or my job, but I'm going to use that to be a blessing to the kingdom. I will, if I work and just I, I support missions, I support the church, I support other young people, I'm so thankful. We have people, and these young folks need to know, we have people in this church that came and were eligible to retire and said, Pastor, I still feel good. I'm going to work so that I can give more to help missions. I'm going to give more to help our young people. And they were true to their word. Many of them have given more for our young folks to go. Why? Because they said, that's my ministry. That's where I am. My job hasn't overrun me. I'm going to do what I can. In this church. What are you saying? Because I want to be able. I don't want that to control me. I want to be freely I have received. Freely I give. I mean, <clears throat> Proverbs Solomon said, consider the ant. <laughs> Why? Look at the ant. Why? Because they're not saying you can't save. Yeah, you can save. Have a savings account. That's good. Nothing wrong with having a savings account. And he said, consider it. He works. He toils. And he lays up store. But why am I doing that? So that I can be sensitive to God, be able to give, to be able to be a blessing. What are you saying? Oh, in this hour where we are finding more and more folks, young folks, and, 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 and you know, I, I can't have any fun. And I was reading some statistics, and I'm going to close. I know my time is up. But they said in the 1950s, now I was born in the late 50s, that people, and I don't know how they collected this data, but people laughed an average of 18 minutes a day. I don't know who they laughed at. Red Skelton, maybe. I don't know. Some of you don't know who that is. It's okay. I don't know. Amos and Andy. I don't know who they laughed at. In the 90s, they found out that they're only laughing six minutes a day or less. But what we can measure for sure is that the percentage of Americans that are now diagnosed as being depressed is 10 times greater than the percentage that was in the 50s. Now you say, well, we've got so much more than they had in the 50s. We got much more stuff, toys iPhones, cell phones. I mean, I mean, I could tell you when I was on call for the state hospital, it was wonderful. They gave you a pager that would beep. And you either had to pull out this bag phone that was on a, looked like a car battery. And call with that or go to the nearest landline because we didn't have cell phones. I mean, I carried this radioactive car battery in the back seat. I, maybe that's why I don't have hair back there. <laughs> Dreaded to hear my beeper go off. And that was the coolest technology ever. That was in the 80s. Now, I'm driving down the road coming home and my phone goes, you need to stand up and walk around a bit. You haven't gotten your exercise. <laughs> Where are you? How are you tracking me? Huh? I look down, my watch has got 1128, I drive 10 miles past Terre Haute, 1228. I didn't set it, huh? 
got the Bible, I got all this stuff. I'm so blessed. I'm so rich. I'm so full. I'm sitting in Hyannis Port in a compound that my family owns. And I get so despondent that I can't go on living. Most of us, including me, have never probably been on a vacation to a place that would be near what that compound is like. Most of us would say, man, I would die to get there. Huh? That would be so awesome. Spend a week, have it to myself. But the spirits that are out there is to rob us of contentment. If I could only do this, if I could be there, if I could have this, if I could do this, and my life before long gets consumed because what can I do? Do what I can do for God right now because that's all that really matters is what I do for him right now. Lord, take my life. Use me. Why? Because I, you say, well, I don't like my job. I don't like this, but well, can I be a witness where I am? Can I invite somebody where I am? Can I live for God? Where? I was so excited to see all of our young folks and all these young folks praising God. And I, I thought as we were, as I was riding home, Lord, I want them to know that there's going to be spirits out there that are going to attack their mind and their heart and make them feel like somehow whatever they've done is not good enough. Whatever they're giving is not enough. Wherever they're living, however they're serving is not. But I'm here to tell you that's a lie. If you will say, Lord, take my life. I want to serve you. I'm not living for now. I'm living because I'm a stranger and a sojourner. And I'm content with wherever I am. As long as I can feel the presence of the Lord. As long as I can feel the touch of the Lord. So here we are today. And if you've been battling a spirit that you know your life's not worth living, I'm here to tell you, you can change that today. You can turn it around today. Let's stand. The Lord has purpose for you. He wants to give you peace. Oh, that passes understanding. He wants Lord. Oh, hallelujah. What do you say? I know my dad, and I know he's generous. He's going to do whatever he can. Let's come. Let's just worship him for a moment. Lord, if I...